because I think it's a I think it's a good and a significant thing uh, within well within the church in England, but also within the church of England at the moment, uh, and that stuff matters to me. thing about Renew is it's got a uh, positive agenda, locally church uh, focused, about bringing the gospel to people uh, in England and sometimes when we're involved in national bodies we forget that uh, we're there to resource and serve those bodies. I think the other reason I'd come is just the, the fellowship and encouragement and meeting. folk and having the chance to uh, think that through, talk about it seriously, pray together. Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. And this week I'm bringing you a podcast from Renew, uh, the conference which Church Society and the Anglican Mission in England sponsor uh, every year to join to bring together evangelical Anglicans uh, in the UK uh, seeking to pioneer, establish and secure a network of healthy local churches around England. As we were going through the conference, I recorded my thoughts on various sessions and spoke to one or two people. And I'm not going to introduce all of that as I go through. I'm just going to hopefully give you a flavour of the conference through this podcast. We began, as you heard there, singing In Christ Alone. And I asked a few people to tell me why they came to Renew. You heard there Dave Walker, Mark Burkill, One of the things I remember about the Renew Conference from last year is it is very full on. The conference as a whole lasts only just over 24 hours from 11 o'clock on Monday until lunchtime on Tuesday. And in that time, (laughs) we're in session almost all of the time. Uh, So it's now five o'clock on the Monday afternoon and this morning we've had sessions um, already uh, Bible reading from Lee Gatiss on Ephesians 4. Then we had a review of uh, where Renew has been over the last five years. Uh, we've had the chairman's address. We've had a talk from Peter Jensen on the pe- priesthood of all believers. Uh, we just had a really interesting session uh, just now with Rod Thomas, Andy Lines and Peter Jensen talking about what makes us Anglican. And now I'm supposed to be in what they're calling coaching session one. I think they used to be called seminars. But the reality is if you've got a seminar with 100 people in there, it, it's not that seminary. So they're called coaching sessions. And I admit I have slightly ducked out of this one. I am going to go to the one tomorrow on mobilising women in word ministry. So I will report back from that. Uh, but just for the moment, I felt like I really needed a break. Not least just to process a lot of what we've heard from these different sessions and I've been taking notes and um, I have also been interviewing a few people and I will be uh, you will be hearing from some of them as we go through the podcast Uh, but I just thought at this point be a good chance to review uh, some of the main sessions and just give you my 
uh, impressions on how the conference has been going and the kind of things that we've been hearing. So as I said, the first session, uh, we had a Bible reading from Lee Gatiss on Ephesians 4. The theme of the conference is mobilize every member ministry. And it has been really striking. Every session so far has really focused on the importance of lay people, lay leaders in our churches, PCC members and church wardens, but also whole congregations. Um, Peter Jensen, in, in his talk on the priesthood of all believers, was talking about how do we move people from being parishioners to being partners uh, in the gospel vision. And uh, so Lise, uh, as I say, kicked us off with Ephesians 4, thinking about uh, what does God want the church to be? He wants it to be not just his body, but a firm body, a stable body. He wants all of Christians to be stable, mature, grown up in their faith. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised when people are trying to deceive us, and uh, especially not when they're trying to deceive us with respect to things like sexual immorality. But we should be mature and firm in our faith, not swayed by those who are trying to deceive us. We should be building one another up. Because the second thing that God wants us to be is united, united and mature, um, not spiritual teenagers, um, stroppy and self-centered and moody, uh, but grown up in the faith. And then uh, his third point, but, but really the most significant in terms of uh, the theme for the conference, uh, is that God wanted us all to be prepared for service. We are all to be ministers. And obviously the, the word for ministers is also the word for servants. We are all to be serving. Um, it's the role of some to be doing particular Bible teaching ministries, to be equipping all for works of ministry, for works of service. And uh, Lee talked a lot about the, the different kinds of things that we need in our churches and the different kinds of gifts uh, that we need people to have and the kinds of service. Uh, that we should have. But actually one of the things uh, that he made a point about very strongly is how important it is for lay people to be involved in the running of the church. Church politics, he said, is not a game that we should leave simply to the clergy. And he quoted here from J.C. Ryle, every vicar should teach every communicant that they are an integral part of the Church of England. Every communicant should be seeing themselves as an integral part of the Church of England. And in particular, uh, these days, one of the very important ways in which lay people uh, experience that and need to recognise their responsibility is with regard to appointments. Appointments of clergy, appointments of incumbents, are made by lay people. Church wardens, PCC, parish representatives. Your vicar will not be there to help you through that process because he will have gone. You will be responsible for that process. And so it is important that as clergy we are teaching lay people in the congregations how to take on that responsibility and do it effectively. Um, Lee noted that in the sort of 100, 150 years or so since Ryle uh, said that, things have changed quite dramatically in the Church of England in terms of the role of the laity and their involvement in things like synod uh, at every level. But actually, therefore, having that opportunity, lay people must take that responsibility. And it's the role of the pastors and teachers to train them to do that effectively. 
Um, so there was some great stuff there. There was a, a great quote from John Stott, which I didn't write down, but I might try and get Lee to tell me, and I'll put that on the website, making a similar point, really, that um, even if you had a, a staff team of 10 or 20 clergy, there's no way they could do the whole work uh, of parish ministry, and therefore we need every member of the church to be involved. So that was a great way, I think, to start us all off and just really encourage us all um, that we are all involved in this, whether you're here as a, a, a clergy person, as a lay person, as a woman's worker, uh, whatever your role is, um, to be encouraged that actually you are needed in your church and this is important for you to engage in the kind of things we're talking about at Renew. We then went into the five-year review of what Renew has been doing. Uh, this was led by Andrew Towner and Lee McMunn. Uh, Lee McMunn from Amy, uh, Anglican Mission in England, and Andrew Towner, who's on the Church Society Council. And they wanted to give us an honest review to show some of the things that have succeeded, but also some of the things which haven't, that there would be things in their review to mourn, but also things to rejoice, as well as things to look forward to. The goal of Renew was to establish... Uh, healthy local Anglican churches. Brian O'Donoghue, who uh, works for St Helens Bishopsgate but also does uh, coordinates the Renew Conference, gave us some statistics here that were just helpful to see over five years. The number of churches that identify as Renew churches has increased from 157 to 202 and the number of, uh, on top of that, uh, ministers who would identify uh, with Renew but perhaps don't have churches that are uh, completely on site has also increased from 102 to 127. There is at least one Renew identified church or minister in half the local authorities in the country. I mean that's still not loads, that's still half the country where there isn't but nonetheless there's some widespread uh, acceptance and agreement with uh, the goals of the Renew conference. The other thing they've done, which I thought was really fascinating, was just to, to analyse the situation in different areas around the country. So they've done some work on identifying uh, churches, both um, in the Church of England and in uh, Amy, as well as in the Free Church, FIEC churches, and identifying where those churches are, and then kind of comparing that with population density to create a sort of church density statistic. The highest church density, that is the highest number of um, evangelical churches, either Anglican or FIEC churches, per head of population, was in Cambridge. A lot of great churches in Cambridge. But also high density in places like Carlisle, Sevenoaks, Oxford and Cheshire. Lowest church density. So these are the places where there are the fewest evangelical churches. Uh, by You know, it's a crude metric, but nonetheless... Uh, the fewest by this metric, Bradford, North Somerset, Warrington, North Tyneside and Peterborough. I thought it was a really striking statistic. If Bradford, which is the place of the lowest church density, were to reach the same density as Cambridge, which is the highest, it would need 32 new churches to be planted over the next five years. There's a mission field for somebody 
to consider. And part of that talk, we always get um, some just really interesting case studies of things going on in different places. Um, so a pioneer church that's a, a church plant, literally with just uh, one family and the church meeting in their front room, through to a church in London diocese where the diocese had come to an evangelical church and said, here's a, a church that we think is dying could you send somebody could you do something to change this church and it's a church that's very uh, formal where they've got a music director who's been there for 37 years and a and a formal choir and book of common prayer services and all of those things but the evangelical church said yeah actually we could send somebody and we'll see what we can do uh, to rebuild and regrow a congregation in that church so pioneering churches, establishing churches, that's hard. And I think that was a really um, important thing to hear from a number of people in churches which either are new churches or churches which haven't traditionally been evangelical churches about the hard and slow work of gospel teaching week by week, winning hearts and minds one by one and recognising that change is very difficult for people it is hard for people to realise that perhaps the way they've always done things, what they've always understood uh, Christianity to be about, isn't actually true. Change is hard, and that kind of work of establishing a gospel ministry, a Bible teaching ministry, is going to be slow. And then they talked about um, strategies for securing churches, things like um, beginning to write a parish profile very early in the process, uh, we talked already about equipping lay people in that, passing resolutions. Um, Dick Farr mentioned a couple of our church society parishes where pioneering work is happening. Uh, so one uh, church that we've recently uh, become patrons of is a plant church from an evangelical church in Exeter, Trinity Exeter. Um, it's a new housing area. They've planted a church there. And to secure it as an evangelical church, they've asked church society to be the patrons. A revitalising uh, church situation going on in a church society trust. Lots of our parishes have had different kinds of ministry over the years, shall we say, and some are in need of revitalisation. Uh, but they've been able to send uh, a minister and a, a small church planting team from Emmanuel Wimbledon into one of our parishes in South London, uh, and that's a revitalising work that is happening in a church society trust parish. So there are uh, different ways of securing those churches. Um, in AMIE, one of the big issues with securing is financial security. They don't have the same resources as Church of England churches do, uh, but they are growing. They're still very small. The number of churches increased in the last year from 7 to 14, and partly that's churches... Um, that have been planted from scratch and other times it's churches that have existed but have decided that actually what they want to do is become AMIE churches. They're a network of Anglican churches that, that see church planting as a priority um, and uh, in situations where the Church of England isn't able to um, facilitate that for different reasons, it's great that there's that opportunity to do that outside of the Church of England. Uh, so that was what we had before lunch. After lunch, we've had uh, a little interview with someone about women's ministry that was really encouraging. William Taylor giving the uh, chairman's address. And just good to know um, 
at the conference this year. 65% of the delegates are clergy, um, everything from curates through to incumbents. Um, 60 women's workers are here, which is terrific. That's a, a really big increase uh, from when the conference started and there were just a handful of women uh, who came. 60 women's workers here, 105 lay leaders of different kinds here. That's PCC members and church wardens and synod reps and, and so on. Um, so that was really great um, just to hear that. And, and William talked a bit about the goals for Renew uh, after uh, this year and, and going forward, particularly thinking about what might happen in 2020 uh, when the House of Bishops report on sexuality is produced and, and how we might respond to that. Great thing uh, after that, Peter Jensen spoke about the priesthood of all believers, which was uh, wonderfully encouraging and, and challenging, as you'd expect. And we were also able to announce uh, in that session that Peter Jensen has agreed to become the new editor of Churchman. Many of you will know that Gerald Bray has been the editor of Churchman for many, many years. I think he's been on the editorial board for 35 years and the editor for 30 years, something like that. He is stepping down at the end of 2018 and we're really thrilled that Peter has agreed uh, to take on that role uh, and I'm sure his editorials will be just as much of a must read as Gerald's always have been. And then the final session that I've just been to uh, was a sort of discussion thinking about what is Anglicanism. Uh, and Rod Thomas was able to talk about um, how he came to Anglicanism by conviction, having grown up as a Plymouth Brethren, exclusive Brethren. I'm not sure it was Plymouth Brethren. Anyway, Brethren Church. Uh, and so he talks about the nature of Anglicanism as biblical and reformed and conciliar. That is to say, it's not um, governed by popes, but by councils. Um, Andy Lyons talked about why uh, AMIE churches don't want to be just FIEC churches, that is they're not free churches, they're not congregationalists, they want to be Episcopal churches, they want to have the oversight of a bishop uh, and indeed are committed to the doctrine of the Church of England as in the 39 articles and in the ordinal in the Book of Common Prayer and so on, uh, but uh, in different situations for different reasons unable to do that. Uh, within the boundaries of the Church of England. And Peter Jensen talked uh, as well about GAFCON and how that global movement of Anglicanism has come about, um, how it began as a conference but has really become a movement. Uh, and he feels uh, this year in Jerusalem was the time when that movement really came to maturity. Uh, and he's excited uh, to see how that will go on in the future. So I'm just off to bed at the end of the first day of Renew. It has been a really long day. I got a train at 7.02am and it's now nearly 10 o'clock at night. It's been a long day and it's been full of a lot of people, but I've had some really great conversations. Um, I've met a lot of people that I wanted to. Um, I just wanted to share with you one thing over supper. So uh, sort of between our main course and our pudding, Hugh Palmer was interviewing Peter Jensen and it was just it was a lovely interview talking about how he became a Christian and how he came into ministry and different stages in his ministry but I was particularly moved by something Peter talked about during his time as an archbishop uh, and during his time as an archbishop in Sydney diocese there was uh, the royal commission to do with uh, child abuse and sexual abuse in the church and as archbishop he had to respond to a lot of what came out at that time and he talked about meeting uh, 
30 or so uh, survivors of abuse in the church. And he just talked about what he did. Uh, and those people, uh, when he saw those people and let them tell their story, and he described them as uh, many of the bravest people that he has met, uh, and we, he would listen to them and tell us, hear their story, and then say, uh, there's something I, I have to say to you now. And he said, you could see them, they would go still, just go absolutely still until he said, and what I have to say to you is apologies. And he, was, he had tears in his eyes as he was telling us about this, um, for those people to hear somebody in authority say that they believed them and that they were sorry uh, that uh, it had been allowed to happen. And it was just, um, yeah, it was just really powerful to, to hear him talking about that as, as one of the uh, most significant uh, things that he had done in his role as Archbishop. And I think sometimes we forget that in ministry, and not all of us are archbishops, but, it, but in ministry we are people in positions of authority, positions of influence. And, um, yeah, he was talking about um, the need for us as a church to to be uh, to put into practice our belief in the doctrine of original sin more, to recognise that we are all sinners, and therefore just because we are Christian brothers and sisters, doesn't mean that we should assume we will never sin. And so, you know, he made the analogy: you always have two people count the offertory to protect them, uh, to protect them from the temptation. And in a similar way, we should. Uh, not be ashamed to take safeguarding incredibly seriously, uh, and nor should we be um, surprised uh, or disbelieving if we find that those in Christian ministry uh, have been tempted into uh, abuse, into abusing people uh, as part of that relationship. We should be shocked and horrified, but we shouldn't be disbelieving that it could happen uh, and that we must... Uh, take that seriously and we must um, apologize and do what we can uh, to restore uh, where that's happened and to protect those uh, in our care to stop them uh, to stop such things happening again uh, insofar as we're able to put those protections in place so it was just I mean <laughs> it's quite a sobering uh, note in the middle of dinner but uh, it was something that he was clearly profoundly uh, moved speaking about and I was certainly profoundly moved to, to hear someone and I don't think I've heard anyone uh, at an evangelical conference an evangelical leader uh, talk about um, uh, talk about that issue in that in that sort of way really and and I was I was glad uh, that he did so so there we go that's the end of the first day and I will be back again with some more thoughts from the second day second and last day of the Renew Conference 2018. So it's coffee time on Tuesday and I'm talking to Katie. Katie, can you just tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what church you've come from and, and what you do in your life and that sort of thing? So I come from uh, the Anderby Churches, that's in East Yorkshire, and um, it, we're a, a, a small congregation. It's two churches, um, that's been made into a plurality. Yes. 
And okay, and what's your role there? You're on the PCC, is that right? I'm a PCC secretary. Lovely. Um, I also help um, with the children's church. Brilliant. So you're not employed by the church. You you have a job the rest of your time, and I think you told me you also you have a little um, little boy who you look after the rest of the time. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, he's called Daniel. He's three years old. Hello, Daniel. There you go. I'd like I'd like to say that'll make him famous, but it, it probably won't. Um, so. Could you tell us, as someone who's a layperson, you're not employed by a church, but you're involved in church, why did you decide to come to Renew? So I uphold the, um, the, the biblical truths um, that I'm complementarian. Yeah. And I just think as, as a layperson, a person not in the clerical order, yeah. I, I need to make a stand with them and really encourage them in, in these times because, um, as it's well known, the Church of England are seeing some difficult times um, and I really want to stand firm. Brilliant. And it is so encouraging. I think we heard yesterday um, sort of around between 30 and 40% of the people here are not clergy and I think that is really encouraging yeah. to see so many lay people wanting to, to stand up like that. Have you enjoyed the conference? Have you found it encouraging and helpful for you? Wow, uh, um, the expectations beforehand, I was very nervous because it's, it is very... It's big, isn't it? Yeah, very big. <laughs> um, and I was a bit um, apprehensive and uh, but coming, I've not even felt intimidated which oh well <laughs> yeah. that's good to hear I mean, you, you came with your your minister your assistant minister yes and um, and the vicar um and they've they've both supported me in coming yeah. as well you know that they've, they've been uh overjoyed. um and yeah it, it's been a real encouragement personally so i'm talking to amanda brunson amanda you're a regular listener of the podcast I aren't am. you so it's really fun to have you uh, uh here to talk to us <coughs> on the podcast you've come to renew with your husband who is a vicar yep could you just tell us a little bit about the church that you're at and and what that's like yes we're in a um working class area in south yorkshire just outside Rotherham, about seven miles north of Rotherham. Um, it's an ex-mining community, uh, very villagey, but not kind of Middle England village, gritty north village. Um, the people are sort of the earth, we love it there. We've been there nine years. Wow. Um, we don't hail from there, so we were incomers. We're just beginning to be accepted by the locals. <laughs> Lovely. And what is it a, a smallish church? Do you have what sort of congregation? Um, so we have about... 60, between 60 and 70 on a Sunday. Great. Uh, about 40 adults and between 20 and 30 children. Lovely. Great. And can you just tell us why you and Andy decided to both come to Renew this year? I know you've been once before, yeah. I think, haven't yeah. you? But why did you think it was it was worth you both coming? So I came about three or four years ago because we were encouraged to do so. And I found it quite hard because there were about five women. Yeah. Um, I'd been asked by uh, a female friend who um, was on the committee. Um, and I felt it was really orientated towards clergy. Yeah. Um, Andy asked me to come back this year, um, we, along with some of the, our staff team. We have a youth worker and a um, new curate. Lovely. Um, so he asked me to come as well. Um, because there were four of us, I thought, I'll have another go. Um, but I think it's really important that we, even though I'm not in paid ministry, necessarily within the church that I, that I live yeah. in, I am in paid ministry in another church um, I I think it's important that my husband and I are a team yes. and 
we've always you know we became Christians as well, when we, after we were married yeah. so going into the whole vicaring thing with the team together. Yeah. yeah and so actually to come on a conference together to hear the same talks yeah. to have the same kind of challenges and then be able to talk those through and work them out yeah. together yeah 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 really so valuable in that, in that last session mm. that was about every member ministry um, Richard Cokin spoke about the practicalities of it and then we had five um, examples so I'm jotting down stuff that I think would be really good to go home and talk to him about and he's doing the same and even in just the, the yeah. brief coffee time that we've had we've been going oh we could we could do this or it would be good to talk to the staff about yeah. doing this and, the and you, inevitably in a conference like this we get so much input over yeah. the 24 hours you can't process it all but actually if there's two of you here or if your whole staff team is here you'll each notice different things yeah. be struck by different things and, and so you'll get more out of it that yeah. way so we have left someone at home to do all the work <laughs> <laughs> excellent good there's somebody there dealing with all the pastoral crises that are happening and then um, you mentioned that the first time you came there were only a handful of women yeah. here there's quite a few more here yes, at this definitely. time aren't there and, and have you found that encouraging yeah i have because it I'm not phased by being a female in male company, mm. um, but it's been lovely to meet different women in different roles within the yeah. church, um, and all different ages, and it, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, man or woman, it's lovely to meet other Christians. We don't, yeah. in a small community where we are, we don't have that. Definitely. I was very struck in that yeah. uh, session that Amanda just referred to, three of the examples of different kinds of, of lay ministry were, were from women. Yeah. yeah. The, the last one was the most extraordinary oh, no. evangelist. I mean, I think we were all sort of sitting there, yeah. you know, with our jaws on the floor um, as she was explaining how she as a GP spends most of her life doing evangelism. But, you know, it was just interesting to hear, you know, the women doing sort of women's Bible study but kind it, of work, a woman who's much more involved in um, the sort of political structures of yeah. the Church of England. And just see, oh, actually, you know, even as women, th there's a whole wide range yeah. of different ministries definitely God's calling us to however I do I do think there was a gap in the market there I really do in that it was lovely to hear the examples of all five people yes but all five people were um, educated well educated in professional yes uh, roles um, you know yes, very middle hospital class. accountants surgeons um, surgeons GPs yeah um, and is your congregation not full of people like that Amanda? No, we do have two GPs. Sure. Um, however, they both moved from large churches to come and serve with us together, yeah. encouraged by the churches the churches that they came from. Wonderful. Um, but indigenous people, indigenous local people, um, our ch you know, our church, outgoing church warden is a local mechanic. Yes. Um, and, you know, he he doesn't have the skills of leadership which we're trying we have been trying to encourage them to do and in fact Andy's just put on a monthly course on leader training Brilliant. but again trying to get people to come to that because they don't see themselves as leaders no they're as not leaders in their day jobs yeah. they're not people yeah. who are naturally yeah. thinking I can run things so we've got the hospital porters we've got the call workers we've got yeah. the shop assistants we've got the, the mums that are staying at home you know um, we've got um you know, train workers, um, that's if they are working, ex-miners that can't find jobs, yes. people that are, um, just, you know, less able-bodied. Yeah, and so every member ministry, which is the theme of conference, is going to look yeah. very different in that kind yeah. of context, isn't it? And it's and not that they can't and shouldn't be doing useful ministry, they can, yeah. but actually the role of the church leader 
in enabling those ministries and what those ministries are is going to look really different. But we also don't want people in our church family to think that the leadership just happens by people that happen to have come from Cambridge. Yes. We, we're very grateful for the two families that moved to us from Cambridge. However, we no. don't want them totally in the leadership roles because what happens is the rest of the church family feel intimidated yeah. and there's a real lack of confidence in working class areas that we've been involved with. There's something um, Nikki Gumbel, I think, recently said and, and has been quoted everywhere. It's very <coughs> helpful to remember that you know, in the church in England over the last century, we've been very good at raising up Pauls, the well-educated university graduates. We've been much less good at raising up the Peters, you know, the yeah. fishermen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to be church leaders. But actually yeah. in the early church, Peter was, was the leader. And and we need to be better at finding ways of identifying gifts in, in people from those backgrounds. And There's a lot of fishermen in Kilnas. <laughs> no, seriously, it's a big pastime, fishing. <laughs> it's a massive pastime. Well, there we go. And, and how we translate that into people yeah. people who are leaders in their own way in their own communities yeah. being able to do that in the church so it's tuesday lunchtime it's been another busy morning the conference proper is now over uh, we had we started the day with richard Coken uh, doing a bible reading from romans 12 um really speaking mostly to uh, church leaders and helping them to think about multiplying different kinds of ministry and i went to the seminar today on mobilizing women for word ministry that was led uh, well it was chaired by Carrie Sandham but there were uh, various people uh, on the panel Karen Sewell and Charlotte Corns who are obviously women involved in ministry Andy Byfield who's a vicar of a church society parish actually and Johnny Dukes who's the president at Oak Hill uh, talking about uh, different ways in which we can be encouraging women specifically in word ministry not paid ministry uh, necessarily but actually all of the women in our congregations to be involved, uh, whether that's leading Bible studies, reading one-to-one with somebody in evangelism, uh, in children's work, and so on. I was particularly struck by something Charlotte Corn said, that the biggest challenge, or at least one of the biggest challenges in women's ministry is having and maintaining high expectations. I think that's really true. I think there's a lot of material that's produced for women and a lot of events for women that assume that all we are interested in is the sort of relational uh, aspect and the being lovely to one another. And it's not that that's not important, but I think it's easy to forget that as women we should also be loving the Lord with our minds and we should be serving him with our words. And actually we should be grappling with scripture. We should be seeking to understand it as well as we possibly can. And we should be expecting most of our women to be able to explain the gospel to others, to be able to read and understand the Bible uh, and explain it to others and so on. Uh, So that was really helpful. And then our final session together, Paul Williams uh, speaking from uh, Ephesians, reminding us that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. We need to have big vision, big imaginations, but also we need to be praying. And that was a really good note, I think, to end the conference on, that we need to be people who are praying more for God to do more. I hope you've enjoyed hearing my thoughts as the conference has gone through and and those of the people that I've talked to. Uh, And we're going to end this podcast with the final hymn from the conference uh, that sent us out to work and serve in God's church. 